Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Last week, we kind of left off with Lot, and he had made some very poor decisions. If you remember correctly, Lot and Abraham had, or Abram had come out of Egypt. Some, they were coming out of something they weren't supposed to do, and then uh, their herdsmen got in a fight, so they, they had to separate. And, and Lot made some very poor decisions. One was freezing out godly friends. If you, if you remember some of these, he froze out his, the, the only godly friends in his life. He froze them out. Um, some other very poor, terrible decisions he made was he was living in the past. He kept looking back at his previous mistakes and his failures kind of like longingly. And then the final mistake he made that we kind of camped out on, no pun intended, was um, that, and we, we said it kind of aggressively, but he was living in the suburbs of sin. You remember that phrase? He was living in the suburbs of sin, meaning um, when he got to decide where he was going to go, he picked the most wicked city probably in the history of the world and said, I'm going to like live on the outskirts of that city. And we called it kind of like the suburbs of sin. And, and that's kind of where we left off. Last week when we left off, Lot was living right here on the outskirts of this. By the way, next week we're splitting. We're doing the high school, middle school split. We'll be in tag. And um, we're going to be talking about some of the specific things that were going on in that city. Um, that, you know, depending on how old you are, I can mention, yeah, it, it's going to you know, determine like how deep we go into this, but it's just suffice it to say tonight, um, it was, there was a lot of abuse going on in the city. There was a lot of sexual sin going on in the city and I'm just going to leave it there. Yeah. Oh, so I'm just going to leave it there. But that was, that was where Lot decided to kind of like stay on the outskirts of so tonight, we're going to learn about how Lot worshiped. And you know, we already have the slide up here to tell you what I'm going to kind of, my, I want to say thesis, that sounds way too much like schoolwork. Uh, yeah, my, my argument to make with you tonight is that worship is more than a song. Uh, what we just did here was worship, absolutely. Um, but if that is the, if, if, if a Wednesday night once a week or a Sunday morning is the extent of your worship, um, you're really missing out. And you're worshiping a lot more than you realize day to day. But the question is, who are you worshiping? Um, because worship is more than a song. What we're going to learn here is that Lot, we have no record of him singing. You're actually, in, in the story of Lot tonight that we're going to get to in Genesis 14, you can start turning there if you want, but we don't even find Lot saying a single word. We have no words uttered by Lot in this whole chapter, but his actions speak louder than words. I'm trying to remember who said it like this, um, but it, it's been said like this, and this is one of those like tongue twister, mind twister things, but just listen, that your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. You want me to say that again? <laughs> try, to, try to follow. Your talk talks, and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks, meaning the things that you do say a whole lot, of, a lot more about you than the things you say. You ever meet someone who says they're one thing and their lifestyle's totally different? We're going to see Lot and his predicament. So remember, we, we picked off, we, we, picked, we left off Lot. He was living outside of Sodom, this wicked city, living in the suburbs of sin. We're going to look at Genesis 14, but I'm going to summarize for you verses uh, 1 through 7 because it has a lot of uh, ancient Near Eastern places and names that are really hard to not just pronounce, but really hard to remember. And it's, I'm afraid it's going to kind of break our flow here of the, of the story. So what I want to do is just kind of start in Genesis 14, and I'm going to summarize verses 1 through 7, explain what's going on, then we're going to jump into verse 8. So what's happening here is, remember, Lot is living on the outskirts of Sodom. 
Back then, there were no such thing as like countries. You know, we live in America, right? We've got like a bunch of different cities, but a lot of people don't live in the cities, right? You live on West Pea Ridge or you live in, you know, you, you live out behind Barbersville. Back then, if you didn't live in a city, you were in big trouble. Um, so back then, cities were kind of like their own countries. Does that make sense? They were called city-states. Once again, sounds way too much like school, I know. But cities were kind of their own countries, and a king would be a king more or less of a city, and that was his country, so there were these little countries. So what happened was there were four countries over here that formed an alliance. And the, the, the biggest king in the alliance, you know, there's always like a bigger, a bigger person in the alliance. You know, we like to think that in World War II, the U.S. was the biggest person in, in our alliance. Um, some would say Russia. But anyway, this is not history class. Um, so there's this alliance of four countries, and the biggest dude, the baddest king in that alliance, his name was, I'm going to make sure I pronounce this right, his name was Cheddar Lomer. It makes me think of cheese. Uh, <laughs> but it was Cheddar Lomer. So um, he was the biggest, baddest king, and then there, were, uh, and there was an alliance of five countries or cities over here. And in this alliance of five countries and cities um, was Sodom and its neighboring city, Gomorrah. Remember, Abra, or, uh, Lot was living right outside of Sodom, okay? Now, what happened was Cheddar Lomer, is, well, I'm sure I'm butchering his name, but I'm calling him Cheddar Lomer in my best West Virginia, Eastern, Near, East, Near Eastern accent. Um, Cheddar Lomer, what he does is he goes over to these five city-states and he conquers them, including Sodom, and he says, if you don't want me to come kick your butt again, you're going to have to pay me a lot every year. So once a year, I want a tax from you, and you're going to live kind of like subservient to me, kind of like how Donald Trump wants to buy Greenland, if you haven't been watching the news. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we may buy Greenland. Anyway, once again, don't need to know about, well, don't need to talk about that right now. Um, so, so all these, these five cities are subjected to Cheddar Lomer, who made an alliance with, with four other countries over here. So all of a sudden, the king of Sodom's like, you know what? I'm tired of a cheddar loamer over there. He sounds like a cheese boy telling me what to do. We're not going to pay the tax. We're going to do what we want to do. And all the other of the five in the alliance are like, you know what? That goes for me too. And we'll stand with you, you know? So, 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 so they all stand up against the bully, cheddar loamer, which we know we're supposed to do. They tell us about that in school assemblies, right? Well, it doesn't work out really well for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, read in verse eight. The king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, of Gomorrah, the king of Adama, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zor, went out and they joined battle in the valley of Siddim with Chedorlaomer, king of Elam, Tidal, the king of Goim. See how hard this is? To, anybody else want to just come up here and read this instead of me? Okay. Um, Ampriel, the king of Shinar, and Arioch, the king of Elisar, four kings against five. Yeah, four kings against five. Now, the valley of Siddim was full of bitumen pits. That sounded really bad. Um, it was full, and pretty much what that is is quicksand pits. It was quicksand pits. So, you know, you know how in the, in the cartoons and the movies, those are actually real things. Yeah, I Googled it this week just to make sure. They're real things. And, um, and it was full of all this quicksand, and... As the king of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some fell into the pits, into them, and the rest fled to the hill country. So here's what happens. All these guys are big and bad, standing up to Cheese Boy, Cheddar Lomer. And what he does is he meets them in this valley, and one by one, he starts taking out these armies, these, you know, these forces, and 
the, the, the two forces that are left are Sodom and their city, Gomorrah. And when that's going on, most of them don't even get killed in battle. They get killed by falling in quicksand. Like, it's the most humiliating defeat. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it, it's, have you ever seen the, the, the videos and stuff of the people who, you know, they have like touchdowns going on and, you know, and, and they're about to score and like somebody comes and strips the ball at the last second? That's kind of what's, what's going on here. So all these guys are falling into these sand pits. They're totally embarrassed, totally demoralized. And then old cheese boy, Cheddar Lomer, the army is defeated. They fled, they've fallen in these sand pits. So, so Cheddar Lomer and, and his forces, they come and they raid the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, it says. So let's pick up there. It says they raid, they, they raid the city of Sodom and Gomorrah in verse 11. They took all the possessions. So they go through, and, you know, they're taking the big screen TVs, they're taking the AirPods, they're taking all the, you know, all the stuff, you know, all, all the valuables. They're loading it up on their trailer and they're getting out of, they're getting out of there. Um, and, but they don't just take all the stuff. It says, and the provisions and went on their way. Then verse 12, they took Lot, the son of Abram's brother who was dwelling in Sodom. Ooh, Lot's not just on the outskirts of Sodom, now he's down in Sodom. They take him and his possessions on their way. So here's what happens. Cheddar Lomer doesn't just take the stuff, he takes all the people, and that was common for kings to do back then when they conquer country. They wouldn't just take the stuff, they'd take all the inhabitants of the city, they'd chain them up, they'd tie them up, and they'd take them back to their city, they'd take them back to their country, and make them work as slaves and prisoners for the rest of their life. That's one way to make sure a city doesn't like rise up against you again, and that's what he was doing. So I, I, I kind of feel sorry for a lot, right? Poor lot, but he also decided to live there. He is chained up, tied up with his wife and his daughters and his family and everybody else in the city, and he's being taken back to Elam, which is Cheddar Lomer's um, home, home city. As that goes on, does he have a friend named Gouda? No. Um, <laughs> uh, as this is going on, somebody escapes. Verse 13, it says, the one who escaped came and told Abram, the Hebrew, remember Abram, he was the one who made the right decisions, who was living by the oaks of Mamre that Amorite, the brother of Eskel and Aner, these were allies of Abram. So Abram settled around some allies too. When Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, so somebody's like, hey, you know, somebody took all the, all the inhabitants of Sodom and they took Lot too. So Abraham, he's like, well, that's my, that's my nephew. Um, what should I do? Well, it says, he led forth his trained men born in his house, 318 of them. Wow. So Abram has gone from being just like this little guy with a tent to like, almost like the leader of like a small empire, a small farming empire. 318 employees at least in his, in, in his household. And he went in pursuit of this king as far as Dan. Okay, 318 guys who are farmers versus four nations' armies, and they're pursuing the nation. Yeah, that, 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 that takes some, he's got some serious backbone. And as, as he goes, it says... Um, he divided, he divided his forces, so he was very like crafty, right? And defeated them by night. He and his servants defeated them and pursued them to Hobah, north of Damascus. That was about a hundred mile pursuit that Abram went. Can you imagine doing that? Like you don't have cars, you don't have SUVs, you don't, have, you don't even have like go-karts. You know, you've got horses and camels. A hundred miles. You know, Abraham was a, he, he was quite a fierce person, I guess you could say. He conquers them. He, it says he brought back all the possessions he also brought back his kinsmen, 
Lot with his possessions and the women and the people. So Abram, he goes, takes care of business. So now he's got all the possessions that were stolen with him. He's got all the people that were taken from Sodom with him and he's on his way. I have to say he has a little bit of a swagger when he walks now. He's on his way back to uh, his, his hometown, uh, where his camp was. And he's got all these people with him, and he's liberated all these people. He's got all these possessions. And then in verse 17, it, it gets a little weird, bizarre, I guess you could say. It says, after his return from the defeat of Chedorlomer and the kings that were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheva, that is, the king's valley, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God the Most High. And he blessed them and said, blessed be Abram, by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who delivered your enemies to your hand. So Abram's coming back and all of a sudden he's, he's going through this area, this valley, and it's, it's right outside this town that's called Salem. And the king from the town comes out and the king is also a priest. So he's kind of like, you know, he's kind of got two jobs, you know. He, he, he's a king, but he's also, he's also a priest. And he comes out and he blesses Abram. And yeah, he gives him this blessing. He gives him bread and food, sustenance, bread and drink. And then the king of Sodom comes kind of like strolling out with the tail between his legs. Um, that, that would have to be embarrassing, right? You know, he's the one who led his army into the quicksand, got everybody killed. And then this farmer rescues all his people. Like he's kind of embarrassed. You, 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 ever, you ever been in a situation where you, you have to talk to somebody, but you're super embarrassed to do it? Um, or, or is it just me? Just me, okay. Uh, so, so, he's, he's, so the king of Sodom comes, and remember the king of, of Salem comes and he says, he says, blessed are you Abraham, and he blesses him. The king of Sodom says, hey, I tell you what, I'll give you all the stuff. You, you can have all that stuff you took, you can have it. You give me the people, because I can't have a city without people. And there's this bargaining that goes on back and forth. And, and pretty much Abr Abram says, hey, I don't want your stuff, man. I don't want anybody to say that you made me rich. You can take your stuff and I'm gonna set the people free to let them decide where they wanna go. And that's where the story kind of ends. What does Lot decide? Remember, Lot was living in Sodom and then he was taken captive. He was a prisoner. And Abram set him free. He didn't have to go with the guys who took him captive. He wasn't obligated to the king of Sodom to go back to Sodom. He was free. He didn't have to go back to the place where he, <laughs> he got imprisoned. But what did, what did Lot do? We find out a couple chapters later, Lot moves right back into his condo in Sodom. You know, why would you do that? That's what we're gonna, yeah, I've got three points about maybe why I think maybe he did that, but like, why would you do that? You ever repeat the same mistake that you make over and over again? Or just me? <laughs> I feel sometimes like, is it just me? Yeah, you screw up and you're like, I'm never gonna do that again. Absolutely never. Like next time I'm gonna study for that test. I've got a whole week. I'm gonna study for it this time. And you find yourself the night before the test, should I study or should I go to sleep? I'm gonna go to sleep. You know, see, so like, like the study hall before, you're just like cramming and cramming, and you know you're gonna bomb it, right? But that, that's an example. Lot got himself in a terrible situation, and I'm sure as he was being led out to captivity from Sodom, he's like, I'm never, if I, God, if I ever get back, if I ever get out of here, I'm never going back there. I'm never going back there. It was a bad mistake. As soon as he's let loose, he's given a choice. He goes back to Sodom. 
Before we start blaming Lot and talking about what a terrible person he is, there's a little bit of Lot in all of us, I think, that we're going to see. So kind of three things that we notice. It's a shorter lesson because we're going to do tag tonight. Three things, if you, if you like to write them down. Um, the first kind of thing that we notice in the story is that the slope really is slippery. Um, I, talked to, I asked some of you a couple weeks ago, like, how many of y'all were around when we did the great banana fight? I think it was in, like, 2015 or 2016. It was the, bit, the, the stupidest thing I ever did um, because we just got a bunch. We got, like, I think 200 rotten bananas and decided we were going to throw them at each other in the church parking lot. And what I found out uh, that, I think Ethan was there, um, what I found out that night was bananas, like, you know, in the cartoons, you have a banana that's sitting there and somebody slips on it, and, you know, they actually are as slick as they are portrayed in the cartoons. Tunes. Bananas are incredibly slippery. And we talked last week about how, you know, well, Matt, it's, you know, it sounds like, you, you know, I was t- talking about how you shouldn't live on the outskirts of sin and kind of look on sin because eventually you're going to get pulled into that sin. And, and those of you that were, you know, are very logical thinkers, you're like, well, our teacher taught us about logical fallacies and they taught us about the slippery slope fallacy, you know, and, and, and that's a logical fallacy, Matt. So you're using bad logic here. But the problem is that's only a fallacy if the slope isn't slippery. And we talked about how sin is the slipperiest slope you'll ever step on. It's a tongue twister, but it's true. And what we see here with Lot is that he slid all the way down the slippery slope of sin to downtown Sodom. And you can look at it if you look through in, in, in look back in the chapter we looked at last week in Genesis um, 13. Now remember, Sodom was sinful. You know, all the terrible things that we're going to talk about over the next two weeks that happened in Sodom. But it started in Genesis 13:10, where it says that Lot lifted his eyes towards Sodom. Then in Genesis 13, 12, it said he pitched his tent towards Sodom or in the direction of Sodom, right? So he looked towards Sodom. He lived near Sodom. And then in chapter 14, verse 10, it says he dwelled in Sodom. Do you see the progression? He got sucked in. Yeah, and he he went from living, he went from looking at Sodom to he had a, a condo in Sodom. Yeah, he had a place in Sodom. And he was, he, he, what we'll see later is he became very corrupted uh, by that place. So we can apply that to our life by thinking, well, you know, it, it's okay if I just look at somebody else enjoying sin. If I'm just around the people that are doing the wrong thing, I'm not gonna do it. You know, I'm at the party, but I'm not like participating in anything. You know, I'm just here because there's nothing else to do on a Friday night. And then well, it's okay if I kind of go over and hang out with these people. Yeah, I know they're not doing the right thing. Yeah, I know the language they use is disgusting. I know the things that they do are wrong, but I'm just gonna kind of be around them. And then before you know it, you're sucked right in and doing the same things they're doing. So what we learn from Lot here is that the slope really is slippery. And worship is more than a song. So worship is where we walk and worship is where we go. So we see Lot's progression, right? Towards Sodom, towards Sodom, towards Sodom. It's very similar to the way that we get sucked into sin. You know, we didn't just look up one day. You, know, you, ever, you ever look up one day and you realize how far you've gone in your life spiritually and you're like, man, I'm really far from God? You know, it didn't just happen overnight. You didn't just decide, you know what? I think I'd like to get as far away from God as I possibly can. It doesn't happen that way. You just drift and you drift and you slip and you slip and you slip and you slip. And Lot finally had that wake-up moment, right, when he was being led away from Sodom in handcuffs. Uh, wow, you know, the slope really is slippery. 
Next thing that we learn is that the only safe place or the only solid place to stand, the safest place to stand is on the promise of God. I'll, this is a cool picture. I've been trying to find like a cheap version of this picture because they're like bukus of money to put in my office. But I don't know if you can tell, but this is a lighthouse. It's being hit by the wave. And, and right in the doorway here, there's this dude standing. Uh, can you imagine like standing when this, this, this wave is coming around like this and how in the world, you know, why, why would you stand there? Why would you leave your door open? I would be huddled in the fetal position with, yeah, with a blanket over my head, right? But what this guy knows is this lighthouse, it's a lighthouse on the coast of France. It's been there for over 500 years. It's been hit by a lot of waves and it stood the test of time. And when we look at Lot, who was on the slippery slope of sin into Sodom, there's a lot of S's. A lot of S words for you tonight. We see Abram who was trusting the promises of God. Um, chapter 12 of Genesis, God gives Abram this promise. I'm gonna bless you. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And we see Abram not looking to see where the grass is greener. We talked about that last week. He's looking to see where God is leading him. He follows where God leads him and it puts him in this position where he has good allies, not stupid allies, like the king of Sodom and Lot. It puts him in a position where he had men who were trained who could help him rescue Lot, and then it also gave him, it gave him the confidence. I mean, 318 versus thousands and thousands of trained soldiers isn't really good odds unless you have the God of angel armies on your side, right? And Lot had, or Abram had the God of angel armies on his side. So w- w- Lot thought he was playing it safe by living at Sodom, and he lost everything. Abram took what we would call a risk in following God and rescuing Lot, and he gained Not just what he had, but he gained all the possessions of Sodom and Lot and the people who thought they were playing it safe. Do you see how the wisdom of God is totally flipped from the wisdom of the world? Yeah, the world says play it safe and it's the most dangerous thing you can do. God says follow me. People think it's risky, but it's the only way to live. And we see Abram doing that. Then the final thing, and it's kind of like the the, the punchline, is that worship is more than a song. I got this picture of all these lights and everything, and you know, lights are cool, haze is cool, music is cool, um, but worship is so much more than a song. And what we see here in the, with these two kings that come, remember we have the king of Salem that comes up here, and the king of Salem, he comes up and he's just like blessing Abram, and he's giving him food. And, and, and then we have the king of uh, Salem, or the king of Sodom who's coming, a lot of escorts tonight, it's just <laughs> tripping me up. The king of Sodom who comes up and he's like, hey, I wanna make a deal with you. And what we learn about the king of Salem, his name is Melchizedek, is that he was, I'm gonna throw out a big like theological term for you and then explain it, but he was a type of Jesus. Meaning we see people in the Old Testament who they display characteristics that we know to be true of Jesus and they, God put them in the Bible and, and put them in history to, to, to be pointers towards the fulfillment in Jesus. And what we see here is this guy, this is the only time, this is the only mention of him in, in this story, this guy named Melchizedek who is a, is a king and a priest. We, we see him, but it's, he's, he's des- described in Psalm 110 that the Messiah would be in the order of this guy named Melchizedek. And then in Hebrews chapter six and seven, it explains how this guy, this priest, Melchizedek, how Jesus was the ultimate like fulfillment of what Melchizedek represented. And just turn there, because that's where we're gonna end. It's in Hebrew, it's gonna kind of put a big bow on it. It's Hebrews chapter six. 
This is such a cool verse. You know, this is such, I, I love this. This is, you know, one I've got, I've highlighted so many times, I've, I'm afraid I'm going to like put a hole in the page of my Bible. <laughs> so I'm just aggressively highlighting it. And this is what it says in Hebrews 6, verse 19. It says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of our soul, a hope that enters into the place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner of our behalf, becoming a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So it describes this priest thousands of years before Jesus who offered the sacrifice and says Jesus was a priest in this order. Well, what does that even what does that even mean? Well, there's some differences between the king of Sodom who is representative of the world and the king of Salem Melchizedek who's representative of Jesus and Abram and Lot both had to decide who are we going to serve? Are we going to serve Melchizedek? Are we going to serve Bera, the king of 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 Sodom? The king of Sodom bargained with Abram. He said, I'll give you this if you give me this, just like the world bargains with it. He says, I'll give you like temporary satisfaction if you give me five minutes of your time on a Friday night. Yeah, I'll give you yeah, stuff if you give me your soul. Yeah, he's bargaining. But then you see the king of Salem, he doesn't bargain with Abram, he blesses Abram. So we see, and we have every, the Bible says that we have every spiritual blessing through Jesus. So that's the first thing. So there are five P's of worship. Just write them down. We don't have time to go over you know, overall. But the first is, I've got P words and F words tonight. So exciting. Uh, so exciting. The, the first is prompt. Um, this, the worship that, and what, you know, what we learn is Abram, he follows um, the king of Salem. Lot follows the king of Sodom, all the way back to Sodom. And, and they both had to make a decision on the spot. Abram he worshiped Christ, but he, he, he put himself under the authority of this king of Salem by giving him a tithe. He gave him 10% of all the spoils that he got from the war um, because that was what you did for a priest back then is you would give them a tithe for giving you, the, for giving you a blessing. And Abram made the decision right away. It didn't take him any time. Lot, he, he had to be put on the spot too and make a decision. Do I go home, you know, back with, with Abram, um, or do I follow this king back to Sodom? And Lot followed the king back to Sodom. Just like they had to make a decision on the spot, a lot of times we have to make a decision on the spot. Like, are we going to follow the king of this world? Are we going to follow the way of this world? Or are we going to follow the way of Christ? Worship is about, is about being prompt. Yeah, we make a decision every day when our feet hit the ground from our bed. Are we going to worship God today? Or are we going to worship um, the world today? Are we going to worship ourselves today? The next thing is priority. Um, we see here that uh, Jesus was, even though Abram was not a, uh, uh, was not a New Testament believer, that Abram uh, believed in God. He believed in this coming Jesus. And um, where Melchizedek, it says he was a, a, a type of Christ, um, Abram believed. It, said, it says in, in Romans that Abram believed in God and it was counted to him as righteousness. He believed in God. He believed that Jesus would come. Lot was also a Christian. Did you know that? We talked about that last week in, in, in 2 Peter. It says that Lot um, was a righteous man, but Lot was so far away from God that he didn't put his faith as a priority. He put other things as a priority. And for us, yeah, our worship has to do with the priorities that we set. Like, you're going to do the most, the, when you wake up in the morning, is what I've just determined, you're going to do the most important thing to you. 
Sometimes that's going to the bathroom, <laughs> and I can't wait, right? <laughs> yeah. Or is it just me? I'm getting old, I guess. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah you're going to do the first thing you want to do. For a lot of you, it's, you, before you even hit your bed, like you, you, your eyes are blinded by the light, but you're checking your phone. You know, you're, <laughs> you're looking to see like, who's reached out to you since you've been sleeping? Like, what's happened? Right? Because we got to know. Like, it's our priority. Uh, you know, when, when we get up, when we go places, um, you know, what are we going to do? God's word should be priority in our life, right? Jesus should be priority in our life. And Lot's priorities were not his faith. Lot's priorities were his things. And that's kind of the next thing. It's possessions, the next P word. I know, yeah, you, you guys don't have 401ks probably. Um, you don't have like stocks and dividends and all that other fun stuff. Not really, it's not really that fun. Uh, it's boring. But um, yeah, you don't have maybe a lot of stuff, but what you do is you have things that are, that are yours, um, you have your time, you have your things that you want to do, you have your athletics, you, know, you have your academics. And Lot put his possessions before the possessor. It's really, oh, man, I wish, I wish we had like two hours. You probably don't, but uh, we had two hours because the word possession and possessor appears six times in this passage. It talks about Lot's possessions and Sodom's possessions and Abraham got the possessions. And then the blessing that Melchizedek gives to Abram is he says, and blessed be the Lord most high. That's the name for God, El Elyon. It says, possessor of heaven and earth. Lot had possessions, but he didn't have the possessor as a priority in his life. That's a lot of peace, once again. Um, so what about you? Nothing wrong with being an athlete so long as your athletics doesn't take the place of first in your life. Nothing wrong with working hard and being super like anal about your academics so long as academics isn't number one in your life. There's only one person, one thing that should be number one in your life, and it's Jesus, right? So the next thing is his passion. You can see, you can see the passion of both Lot and Abram in the way that they react. Um, Melchizedek pointed Abram to God's glory, right? He said, he said, God most high. It's this exalted name for God. And in a response to that, Abram worshiped God by giving this offering, this tithe to Melchizedek. Lot presumably was there because he was one of Abram's quote-unquote captives, that just went over Lot's head and all he could think about was, I gotta get back to Sodom. I gotta get back to my stuff. I gotta get my stuff. I gotta get back to Sodom. Lot was passionate about his stuff. Abram was passionate about his savior. It's a big difference. Worship is more than a song. And finally, persistent. <laughs> Poor Lot, you know, he was like this. And so many of us are like this in our spirituality. You know, when Lot needed Jesus, when he was captive, you know, oh, God, send somebody to release me. And boom, Abram was there. He released him. He won his freedom. And then as soon as Lot got what he needed from God, he was right back where he wanted to go. So many of us are like that. But what we learn from Abram is he established a pattern of just consistently saying yes to God. So what should we do tonight? Uh, what should we do tonight? Um, I don't know, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but you know, do any of y'all feel like Lot? Like you've gotten pulled into some things that maybe you shouldn't have been pulled into. You've gotten involved in some things you shouldn't have been involved in, and you feel like you are, <laughs> you know, spiritually speaking, captive. You're a prisoner to the things that you've gotten yourself involved into, and you could never get yourself out just like Lot was. Well, the good news is Jesus died on the cross, and just like Melchizedek, his name means king of righteousness. Jesus' righteousness is offered to you. If you put your faith in Jesus, his righteousness is yours. When God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. Melchizedek was a king of Sa Salem. That word means peace. Salem ended up becoming Jerusalem. 
Jerusalem. Jeru means Jireh, providing peace. God provides peace. Anyway, so the question is, if you're like Lot and your life is chaos, you're stuck in things that you got yourself into, you reach to Jesus. So here's the, here's the three F words. Just write them down and we're gonna split into tag. Um, the three F words. Um, I, I've, got, I've got three of them, but I, I'm just gonna give them to you one at a time. Fix your eyes on Jesus is the first thing. We talked about that already. Okay, Jesus, yeah, Jesus offers peace in the midst of calamity. Yeah, you think Abram's life wasn't crazy? 318 men going up against a couple thousand, but Abram had the peace of God. Um, the next thing is keep or give up on fighting God's discipline. Uh, this is not a fun one. This is not positive and encouraging, Caleb. But God saved Lot through what happened to him and gave Lot a chance. Because Lot was being, I wonder what Lot thought. I wonder if he was thinking, man, God must hate me. God must be mad at me. This is why I'm stuck. This is why I'm a prisoner. God didn't hate Lot. God may have been <laughs> angry at Lot, but this is what Hebrews says. It says, those who God loves, he disciplines uh, there are times when Addison, she gets so excited, she gets out of the car and just starts taking off because we're going to the mall and she's a girl and loves the mall um, and takes off towards the mall in the parking lot and there's a car whizzing by the parking lot. I don't say, um, Addison, could you come here, please? I'm like, girl, and I grab her and I pull her back and she looks at me, you know, and, you, know you girls know how to give looks. She's like, daddy, why did you do it? She, she gets so ticked off at me for doing that, but I love her, so I corrected her. Right before the car came and, 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 and hit her. Right, so I corrected her, and God loved Lot enough to correct him and wake him up and get his attention and say, Hey, Lot, if you stay in Sodom, it's not going to turn out well for you. And he gave Lot a second chance. What did Lot do with his second chance? He squandered it, he went back to Sodom. What we learn about what happens to Sodom is God destroys it with fire and brimstone. <laughs> talk about that in two weeks, week four. Uh, he destroys it. He was trying to save Lot from this destruction. Ultimately, he does, but Lot, he, he barely escapes with the skin off his back. So sometimes you, you think, man, what, why, why does it feel like God is punishing me? He's trying to get your attention. He's trying to save you from utter destruction if you keep going down the road you're going down. So stop fighting God's discipline. And the final thing is embrace forgiveness uh, from Christ. Um, embrace God's forgiveness. Yeah, God disciplines us, he corrects us, but he does it in a loving way because he wants to restore us, he wants to forgive our sins, he wants to, to give us a fresh start in a relationship with him. Uh, so maybe you need to embrace God's forgiveness. Um, so I'm gonna pray for you guys. This, one's, this, one, this was kind of a weird lesson because there's no, <laughs> no talking. <laughs> it's just action. Um, next week, it's gonna be a lot of talking. And Jesus is gonna appear in the Old Testament, like Jesus walking and talking in the Old Testament. It's pretty cool. So that's next week. We're gonna talk about how to pray for your friends. Um, so we're gonna pray, and then it's gonna be the great tag divide, okay? And I'll explain, I'll explain how we're gonna do that, okay? So let's pray. Uh, Father, I, I ask that you would make us sensitive to when you do discipline us and when you do correct us. Um, you tell us that discipline isn't pleasant, but in the end, it yields a harvest of righteousness. So God, I pray for those of us, uh, maybe over the past week or the past couple weeks, or maybe just tonight, you have this, you have this feeling of, of, of conviction and knowing that there's some things that we need to, 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 to change in our life and that we need to give to you. Uh, God, that we'll be quick to do those, not, not, not next week, but tonight. 
and start on a, you know, have a fresh start with you. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that we wear his righteousness and that even when our life is chaotic, um, we have the peace of God through Jesus. And we've asked these things and we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you